Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Lori. And this is A Grave Mistake. And we are back for another episode. Yay. <laughs> Don't sound so excited. Who's going to die now? Oh, I was going to say nobody, but never mind. Yeah. All these happy stories. I know. We should do a nice story. A nice That's happy story. Oh. I know. True crime. Paranormal. Yeah. They're usually not happy. I don't. I do not like death. I watch this stuff mm. like, to fall asleep. Oh gosh! I have no. Or I'll, I'll listen to a no another podcast and fall asleep to it. Oh, but there are okay. A cooking See, show. I do like those. Yeah, I've been really into those. I lately. love cooking shows. The but then, ones. yeah, but then I want to eat. That is and then true. I think, and yeah. then I bake, and then I eat. Oh, See, usually I watch them like later on when I'm in bed. or like jogging pants, and my hair's pulled back, and I don't want to leave the house. Oh. And then I'm thinking. What do I have in the house to eat? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm usually disappointed. Yeah. Or that's where we use DoorDash and we get um, crumble cookies. See, they bring them to your door? Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Cookies? You, that's what happens when you live in the city and not out in the sticks. Oh. But even still, even if you're in the city, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, a bucket of chicken. It's a couple of cookies. No. Well, you, can, you have to get the four pack. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then, then, but then you eat them. Those are huge cookies, though. They are. They're very good, though. Some are better than others. True. But, yeah, but then, so, like, $15 for four cookies Ooh. is, that's what it's normally that's about. That's a lot of money. For yeah, four well, cookies, with DoorDash. You can get a, a bucket of chicken and biscuits, and like, for $18.99. <laughs> and potatoes and gravy. Ew. I know. Well, but. yeah, but then after DoorDash... Those four cookies become like thirty-two something. Oh, because you but have to pay for the uh, you, delivery, well, delivery, and then the tip, and then tax. Ta- oh and, gosh, yeah. Oh, that's. But but that's know, when you have to weigh the cost over how much you really want those cookies. Well, yeah, I don't think I could do it for the cookies, but as far as it would just be nice to be able to call somebody and have them deliver food. Instead of where just, do you live? And yeah. then when they find out, no, we don't deliver there. And they only say that because they don't know where you live. <laughs> They're like, where? Nobody knows where they we know. live. So, yeah, I can't, no pizza, chicken, nothing. No delivery always, at all. Yeah, what, yeah remember minutes? that? The first day we moved in? Mm-hmm. Call for yeah, pizza? No, a, we don't deliver there. We're like, what? Yeah. I'm going to eat. Awakening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I'd rather be out here here though than where i live oh for sure go get the food in 20 minutes yeah but it's always cold by the time you get it home and yeah because yeah, i don't like but to cook <laughs> not anymore i don't like to live around people oh that's very true even out here we're too close well yeah we, not originally though right it just built up and yes but okay yes so we are uh, there's Three topics in like paranormal, cryptid, mm. and true crime area that I am obsessed with, and always have been. No, there's but there's three specific topics. I see. Uh, this is one of them. The Diet Law Pass. It's 
fascinated me for a long See, time. I didn't even know what you were saying. Diet love. <laughs> I thought you said diet love. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> no, you got to do the Russian or the, well, this one's Russian, but the diet love. Gotta do that. Like that accent. must be your my Ukrainian, Ukrainian coming up. Yes, Greeks don't talk like that. I'm Greek. I know. <laughs> okay, but I'm not Russian. No, neither am I. Well, you're Ukrainian. We're not Russian. No, don't. no, I know that, <laughs> but it just came out. But yeah, okay. so so yeah, so we're talking about the Dietlov Pass mystery. I found this really good book that took, I think, took the mystery completely out of it i think this person figured it out oh cool and it's not nearly as exciting right ah. it's like well yeah i could see that and it all makes sense the way they just put it together yeah the way they outline everything and link everything and they're like okay well this means this and this so means then they found the killer well mm, no if it's all cut just right. okay so there's this book called death of nine the Diet Love Pass Mystery by Lawton Anderson. And I'll have to like link it in the notes. But this book. Diet Love. Diet Love. Is the name of a person. <laughs> well, yes. So, we're going back. Oh, boy. I know you don't like How this. far? But we're going back to 1959. Hmm. To US That's not going back to USSR. Oh. So, there are 10 university students left. Mm, I don't know if I'm going to be. Ooh, these words. <laughs> Sverdlovsk, Russia, and they began a hike through the Ural Mountains. Ooh, that's never good. That's the thing. No. Don't mm -mm. go to these places. No. If we were meant to go to these places. Something is going to eat you. I just, no. Well. We don't belong there. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> we just don't. So these people, there are 10 yeah. university students, they're all part of a hiking club. Mm -hmm. Of course. At the Ural Polytechnic Institute. Okay. So that's the college that they went to. I'm just going to call it UPI from now All on right. because it's just a, a mouthful. Sure. They plan to go to Mount Oren, which... So in the, in this area, there is a local tribe. They're called Mansis. Oh, great. Mansis. So this local tribe, in their language, Mount Oren means don't go there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're telling you. Yeah. Right there. Don't go there. But I think it translates to, like, I mean, there, there's no point in going there. There's really nothing there is what they meant by it. Oh, I see. But. Right. Waste of time. Don't right. go. Right. Don't go. Just mm -hmm. don't, there's nothing there. I, you wouldn't there's have to tell there. me twice. No, I don't. Mm -mm. It's, first of all, cold. Ugh. And then you have to think, back in 1959. Yeah. They didn't have the cell equipment. Phones. Well, they Did didn't they have cell phones? No, they didn't have cell phones. <laughs> How many people are in there? <laughs> Wait a minute. How old am I? Yeah, no, 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 no. The 59? No. No. Especially the USSR? Oh, gosh. Soviet? That's true. Yeah, no. Boy, that was way off. Well, but then mm -hmm. you think of the clothing. that They didn't have the technology we have nowadays. They didn't have the clothing that we have. True. Imagine. They I would mean, just layer. Well, and, and again. Sorry, I got to adjust. My butt's going numb. <laughs> but then. You also have to think, Soviet, Russia. I keep everyone's, that. Everyone's yeah. poor. True. So Aww. I would. I just think in my head they're wearing these like scraps of clothing, like uh, just layers and layers. Fine. Right, layers and layers and layers. A wool. Now these hikers had a combined fifty-five years of hiking experience. 
and I'm going to go over the hikers and just a, a little yeah, bit about them. There were them. 10 of them. Right. But so, well, here's the thing. I want, I want to kind of like hammer home how experienced these people were. You're going to go through each and every one of them and expect me to remember them? No. Okay. But <laughs> I'm just going to name them because I, I'm going to name them because I think they deserve to be recognized as human beings and not just as this thing, this weird thing that happened to them. Oh. So we have Igor Dyatlov. <laughs> I don't know why I, I have to say so it that way. So he must be up. like he's the, the one, main one because right. the story is named he, after him. Exactly. I get it. So he was a radio engineering student. He was mm-hmm. in his fifth and final year at UPI. 23 years old. Oh. He was granted permission by the university to lead a category, I think, what was it category three? Or, I don't know, winter hike. Oh, there's categories? Um, yeah. 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 Like difficulty sure. and stuff like, like that. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, and the UPI reviewed his proposal and they approved the hikes members. So they had to approve the people who went on this, make sure that they were experienced enough to do this. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get involved in, though. No, that's why I don't do this stuff. Uh, I always think to myself when I'm watching this, I'm like, what would I do in this situation? Why? But I'm like... I would but I don't have to worry about it because I will never be no. in that situation. I like the cross-country ski, though. I don't like the sweat. Yeah, that is true. But you stay warm. I don't like being uncomfortable. And yeah. then, so what? You have to go with me, though. No. Oh, oh could you see us <laughs> rolling? <laughs> you'd, have to, get up. you'd have to film it. Face first, <laughs> and then in order to be yeah. warm enough, I'd be like that kid on Christmas Story yeah, where I can't, can't pull my arms out. <laughs> No. Oh. All right. So now Igor was an inventor as well. Kind of like like an amateur inventor. Sure. He modified already existing items for special use on these hikes. Smart kid. So there was a radio. He made them lighter, more durable, and portable, which is pretty cool. He also cell phones. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) He did a portable tent heater, which they called a stove. He made a... Well, that's a good I, name. I don't know. I don't get it. Stole. He uh, what, invented a double tent. So he basically took two normal-sized tents, sewed them together, and then... So this tent a could then tent. create... It could hold 12 people in there. Sure. And then he added hooks at the top of the tent to hang the stove. Oh. So it's out of everybody's way. I mean, he... I mean, obviously... Figured... Thought about this. Right. Well, yeah. while he was hung hiking, he was probably thinking, oh, we could use this, or this would work, and then he just did it. Okay, here's another name. Mm. There's, second person here is Zeneda Kolmogorov. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah, they call her Zena. Like my aunt. Yes. Uh, She was dating Igor. She was 22 years old in her fourth year at UPI, and she had been a member of the hiking club since starting school. In the previous year, this girl's badass, she was bit by a viper and was close to death. But then they, her group encountered a local family and that family put like herbs and other like remedies to the wound and it saved her life. Like that's pretty damn cool. I would never go hiking again. Well, no, but wow, crazy Russians. Yeah. Well, no offense to Russians, but you people do crazy things like Russell Bear and have wild cats as pets. Russell bears when you're three. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then they all, they're born with a full beard. (laughs) Like, oh, 
what was the character on um, Street Fighter? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Zangief. <laughs> Zangief. <laughs> <laughs> so, I digress. Then we have Yuri Doroshenko, 21 years old, fourth year radio engineering student. He completed several hikes. Here you go, Mom. One time he scared off a bear at his mm -hmm. campsite by grabbing a hammer and running at the bear while yelling. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You're so big and bad. Could and you imagine? Loud. No. I don't, as I'm peeing in my no. pants. No. See, my thing would be like, oh, it's a bear. Look, you're so cute. Ooh. That's how I will die one day. I will I die trying to pet some, grizzly bear. some wild animal that's adorable looking, True. but it will eat me. Yeah. Uh, he okay. Yuri previously dated Zena for a while, but they were okay. good friends after they broke up. Right. He was also good friends with Igor, and the three of them hiked together often. Mm. So obviously, they must they not stayed have stayed warm. Jeez. Oh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ill. <laughs> huh. All right. They're close. Yeah. Friends. Yeah. Very close friends. Yeah. All right. The fourth person here. Is Alexander Kolotov? You're good at these names. 24 years old, mm. majored in physics and technology. And here's the thing, too: these people are smart, very smart. Yeah, well, but you know, there's a difference between book smart and common sense. Exactly. Right. Uh, he had a degree in metallurgy. He worked in Moscow as a senior lab assistant oh. in a classified institute called the Ministry of Medium Machine Building. Impressive. I don't even know what that. No I don't know what they do. Such a thing. Yeah. He conduct. Oh, he conducted research into the development of material for the nuclear industry. Yeah. Wow. Every time I think of Rush, like Rush, I think of nuclear, nuclear power bombs. and you know crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So he was into that. So yikes. Then there was Ludmila Kaluda uh, Dubanina. I think <laughs> that's just a fun name to say. Dubanina. Dubanina. She was 20 years old, third year at school, majored in engineering and economics. <laughs> this one, too. This one, during a previous hike, she was accidentally shot in the leg by a hunter. Oh. They should <laughs> wear know. orange. And then she goes out again. She came from a solid communist family uh -huh. and was an avid supporter of the communist government, which, okay, that's your I mean, thing. Yeah, you're brought up with it. This name, I don't know. Well, George is easy. <laughs> well, George. His <laughs> name is George. It says George. All right. The, I'm going to try this. Krivonashenko, 23 years old. He had already graduated from UPI with a degree in civil engineering. Oh. Yeah. And he currently worked as an engineer in plant 817. Mm -hmm. And before that, he worked in a sensitive position at the Mayak nuclear plant. Now, in September of 1957, there was a nuclear contamination incident uh -oh. called the uh, Keshtim disaster. This was the third worst one behind Chernobyl and Fukushima. Fukushima? Fukushima, the one in Japan with like, the earthquakes and everything. I must have missed that one. We were all alive during this one. Were we? What year Wait, was that? Wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause Fukushima. this. I'm going to pause this and find out the year. Okay, so Fukushima was in 2011. It said 
there were 573 deaths certified Whoa. as disaster-related by 13 municipalities. Um, How come I don't remember this? I don't know. Well, like you said before, you don't know if you were told of this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nobody told me. How did you know? You're um, younger. Because I, it was a, it was a big thing. Wow. It was a big deal. I don't so, on March 11th of 2011, Japan was shaken by what became known as the Great East Japan Earthquake. It was followed by a tsunami, which resulted in waves reaching heights of more than 10 meters. I don't know what that is wow. in feet. The combined impact and repercussions of the earthquake and tsunami cre- uh, caused great loss of life and widespread devastation in northeastern Japan. Mm-hmm. It was huge. Like you, If you watch any of the, the videos... These people had maybe 30 seconds after the earthquake hit, before the tsunami hit, and the coal towns were wiped out. It was horribly, just, it was sad. And then these people were stuck in these buildings because they're trying to get out of these buildings because of the earthquake. But then you're in the streets, and the tsunami comes, and there were... were, um, traffic jams that people trying to get oh, out gosh. and they were stuck in their cars. It was horrible. Oh. And what year was that? 2011. Hmm. But nobody fine. told you. No. What was I? I don't know. So what did this person okay. have to do with that? Because, all right. So. <laughs> okay. Now I'm clear. We're going to, all right. Yeah. Now, now we know what Fukushima was. So in 1957, there was a nuclear contamination incident. Okay. In Russia. Hmm. And this is the third worst one since Chernobyl and Fukushima. G- this George guy, George Krivoshenko. But this sounds like it's man-made, though. So is Chernobyl. There's like a whole, there's an HBO special on Chernobyl. It's really good. The, oh, okay, I got all excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the crazy thing with that is, so they were running like this, these tests on it's this nuclear, Chernobyl. yes, on this nuclear facility. And the guy mm. in charge of running these tests, his last name was Dyatlov. Yeah. Oh. And it was this motherfucker's fault that that happened. This because, guy? Not this guy. The one who was running the plant in Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he? <laughs> what is happening? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure about Chernobyl either. Okay. Well, okay. I'll then. That sounds kind of like a, I'll teach you. a COVID. What? Well, you know, you're messing around with things you shouldn't be, and then all of a sudden there's a leak, and then it turns into millions of deaths, and you have COVID. There weren't millions of deaths in either case, but okay. I would think we're in, not in that first one. Uh, no. How many people would have died in that? Well, it was back. It was further back than 1957. I don't know a year. I'm not going to look into the year for Chernobyl, but there weren't that many. The population wasn't that. And that was oh. in Ukraine. So what was Chernobyl? Oh. Yeah. Right. Poor Ukrainians suffer at the hands of the Russians yet again. Anyways, I digress. So George <laughs> helped with the cleanup of ah. this disaster. That's how George is connected to this disaster. Okay. After this, he was promoted to a supervisory position. And he was scheduled to start on February 21st. This hike was in January. Of 1959. Okay. He was supposed to start his brand new job mm-hmm. in February. Of course. And he had completed three Category 3 hikes. So I think Category 3 is the highest. Jeez. We have a few more people. When will they learn? They won't. 
Rustam, Rustam Slobodin. He was 23 years old. He graduated UPI with a, in, with a degree in mechanical engineering. He, wor he also worked as an engineer in plant 817 with George. Okay. And then, but now George was getting promoted. Rustam was a long distance runner and he did several category three hikes. So they, they're used to this. They know this, they're fit. We have Yuri Yudin, mm -hmm. who's 23 years old, fourth year student at UPI, engineering in, or majoring in engineering and economics. Now, Yuri had sciatica. Okay. If whoever doesn't know what sciatica is, it's, it causes severe pain. Symptoms are like tingling, numbness, weakness, and pain that originates in the lower back, travels down the sciatic nerve in the back of each leg. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've tweaked my sciatic nerve a time or two. That hurts. Sure. Can't imagine actually having sciatica. Yuri Yudin had previously committed, completed numerous hikes, including Category 3s. And... I'm going to get a little more into some of this information about him that I have here, but later, because I don't want to give anything away right now. Okay. And we have Nikolai. Mm, I like that name. Nikolai. Oh, yeah. Nikolai. I always think of Maybe the Care Bear movie. Nikolai. Yeah. Or those commercials. <laughs> for the cough drop. Mm, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know those that one. commercials. That helps. Oh, it's Ricoli or something. Ricola. <laughs> Okay, right. so we have Nikolai Siebold Brignol. I don't know. Oh. The, la the last name's French. He's 23 years old. He graduated UPI with a degree in civil engineering. He was working as an engineering foreman in construction. Oh, all smart people. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, I feel bad for him. Because he was born in a prison internment camp. Yeah. His father was accused of being active in the Revolutionary Party and was convicted of crimes against the state. His family was sent to the camp and his father was sentenced to 10 years hard labor working in the mines. Oh. Yeah, wonderful. Socialism. Great. Now we have the last one. Simon Zoluzarev. He was 37 years old. He was a soldier in World War II. He earned five combat awards. No, four combat awards. He worked as an athletic and hiking instructor. He was the top candidate for an instructor wow, position. Achiever. Yeah. Oh. So he was a top candidate for an instructor position at UPI. And completing a category three hike would obviously, you know, more on his credentials. Sure. And it would improve his chances to get this position that he was applying for. So that's why he was doing it. Now each of these hikers, they carried a backpack with their own personal items, mm -hmm. as well as group items like tents, like the poles, ropes, axes, compasses, cameras, food, Jeez. all kinds of stuff. So these packs were big. Sure. On January 23rd, the Diet Love group and another group from the same college called Vilnov's group, they took a train from the city of Sverdlovsk to the town of Zerov. I don't know. They took a train. Okay. They took a train, took a train. They run on the train. At this train station, George was singing and dancing, being goofy, acting people from asking people for money. You know, Ooh, sure. he was just, you know, having fun. He was arrested. Oh, but brought back to the group a short time later because he was having fun. Because he was, you can't have fun oh. in the USSR. He was asking for money too. And well, 
And they're like, oh, no, you're having fun. You're, you can't right. do that yeah, here. Stoic. Right, right. So they arrested him. But then they brought him back. So on January 25th, both of these groups now are still together. And they arrived in Vijay. I don't know, man. I'm doing okay. the best. Yeah. These two groups, so their hikes ran parallel to each other, but they were separated by several miles in between. So, and they know each other. Yeah, they knew each other, but they were... Why did they go... I don't... Because this group wanted to go and check okay. this area out. This group okay. wanted to check this area out. Will they meet at some point? No. Oh, okay. No. On January 28th, Yuri Yudin, his sciatica flared up. Oh. And he knew that he could not... He well, wasn't going to be able to continue. Of that That's before. what I thought, but maybe he was feeling great. Yeah, but that can hit... I know. You can just twerk and... But move. you can't... What yeah, but you can't go that far. No, I wouldn't have done that. I mean, no, yikes. I wouldn't do that now. Well, true. I wouldn't do that when I was in the best shape of my life. No. I never would have done it. No, then. that's what I'm saying. Never. <laughs> no. All right. So Yuri decided he couldn't continue on, mm-hmm. and they made a plan that he was going to stay in the nearby town until the end of the hike. Okay. And then the, when the rest of the group got back. You know, they would join up with him, and then they would go well, home together. smart. Yeah. Okay. Well. So we yeah. think. So we think. Now, at this time, Igor, that's well, told him that the group, they were they were kind of running late. And he said, oh, we probably are not, because they were supposed to return on the 12th of January. Okay. We said, we probably won't get back to the 14th. So, you know, we're good. Don't yeah. freak out if we're not back on time. Now, each hiker kept, so each each hiker kept their own journal sure. of what was going on or whatever they can write in it. But they also kept a group journal. So at the end of the day, after the chores and dinner, mm-hmm. someone from the group would write the details of the day. Okay. You know, we did this, we did this, this was the weather, this was, you know, this is how far we made it kind of thing, documenting the day's hike. The group diary had been, because we all know they disappear. Or not, they disappear. Oh. We know something weird happens, right? right? So the group diary was discovered in the tent, along with the diaries of Luda, Zina, and Rustam. There was another diary that was also found in there. Okay. But we don't know whose it was, because they didn't put their name oh, on it. okay. So we don't know who was documenting what at that point. Good documentation. Yeah, right. I mean, put your name. <sighs> right. The last diary entry was on January 31st. So something happened after they set up the tent okay. on February 1st. So the night of the 31st, they wrote in the diary, in the, the big group diary, but that was it. So sometime after they had written in there, something happened. Something happened. So this is just one group. Yes, this is just okay. this group. On February 17th, Luda's family and Alexander's family, they became worried because they hadn't heard back. You know, they weren't home. So they called the UPI school and the families were assured that the group was fine. The delay was due to weather. Okay. Which mm, we'll see on the 20th, the administrators of the school, they met with the city committee and they launched a search party on the 22nd search dogs and the local Mansies, their trackers helped Look for these people. Okay. 
The Mansis, now it says the Mansis were nomadic natives. They lived in the Ural Mountains. They were very peaceful people. But they were familiar with the right. Area, they knew though. the area. That's where they lived. They okay. they lived off of like fishing and hunting and gathering, mm-hmm. and they they were nomadic, so they moved where they could find the availability of oh. food or how the weather was. Sure. But oh. they knew the area very well. On the February 26th, the campsite was located. The tent was collapsed. Mm-hmm. The back entrance of it, you know, I'm going to, I have a book here. I'm going to grab the pictures for you real quick so I can show you as I'm going. Okay, so the front entrance of this tent was halfway open. The back entrance only had, you know, it had a few inches of snow on it. Yeah, just like, yes, yeah, yeah. Don't look at those yet. Oh. And so like, oh, those are pictures. Just wait. Yeah. There was a pair of skis that stood upright next to the tent. Okay. An ice axe was stuck in the snow near the front entrance. There was no sign of a campfire, but they found food in the tent. So they had meat, bread, crackers, sandwich, a cup of cocoa. And the food was all in there? It was in the tent, yep. Hmm. So what they think happened is that they hiked for the day. Mm -hmm. They set up camp. They decided for some reason not to build a fire. Maybe they didn't need one that day. They were okay. And they got their food ready to eat in the tent. So something happened while they were eating because the food was still out there. Okay. Um, It says right here, I have pictures on page 51. Oh, look at that. I am definitely a Virgo. So pictures on page 51. journaling. Yeah, this is a weird picture. So give me a second. Now, there was a flashlight lying on top of the tent, and it had a dusting of snow on it. Okay. And the investigators checked, but the flashlight still worked. Igor's coat was just outside of the tent entrance. Freaking cold out there. Right. Why is his coat out there? They found several socks, hats, loose change, other small objects scattered around the campsite. And about 50 feet away from the campsite, there were several sets of footprints leading away from the tent. These footprints were either barefoot or wearing socks. No shoe prints. Oh. What about an animal? What about Bigfoot? What? what? Just wait. (laughs) Now, in the tent... There's there's food, there were blankets, backpacks, cameras, the diaries. They had a bucket, they had a metal box. And inside this box were, was Igor's passport, the return train tickets, and 700 rubles. Now, I did the conversion okay. for rubles to dollars mm-hmm. and then for interest. So oh. it would be $11.13 in today's okay. or, you know, in American right. dollars so, today. Not much. In the tent, they also found whole crackers and uncrushed tins of food. It indicates that that there was no avalanche or any other act of nature that could have crushed this tent because the food wasn't crushed. Right. There was also a a, a pole, a ski pole sticking straight up. If there was an avalanche, it would have been knocked down. It wouldn't be standing upright in that position still. They also had... Flashlight, three axes, a knife, two kettles, first aid kit, compasses, a pocket watch, cameras. All these items were still in the tent, undamaged. Hmm. So, again, it can't have been some sort of 
you know, all that heavy snow and avalanche. Well, would have that would have been all. Yeah, an avalanche would have wiped all right. of that out because that was a big theory is avalanche. But I just don't see it. Most of the hikers had like protective underclothing. Mm-hmm. It was all in the tent. Coats, jackets, gloves, boots, winter hats, everything in the tent. No hikers, though. Oh, all their clothes. All their clothes, yeah. Yeah. Now, on the, the downside, or the downslope side of the tent, they had slashes, like long cuts in there. There's some pictures in this book of that as well. Some reports state that they were made from the inside of the tent. So these people were maybe trying to slash their way to get out of oh the tent. Oh, gosh. Right. They also found knife scrapes. So it looked like several attempts had been made to cut through the thick canvas of the tent. So if that's what happened, how could they have been in a hurry? If they were kind of like testing the, how much pressure that they had to apply. If you're freaking out, you're going to apply as much pressure as you right, you're gonna possibly can. That. Just slash yes. that sucker open because you want out now. Yeah. So with these, they almost look like hesitation mark kind of thing or you know, trying to find the right amount of pressure to cut through mm. it. So that's weird. And neither one of the entrances or exits of the tent was blocked. The front entrance was partially open. So why would they need to cut their way out of the tent? True. They wouldn't. They could just get out that way. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to. Okay. So this part, I'm only going to describe where or like how the bodies were found. I'm going to cover their injuries in in the autopsy section. Great. (laughs) <laughs> on the 27th, I see pictures. Yeah, on the, bo- on, on the 27th of February, the bodies of Yuri and George were found in a clearing under a, cedar, a large cedar tree, which is a mile away from the campsite. Mm. To get to this tree, they would have had to walk through the woods. Like I said, nobody like they didn't. They looked like barefoot prints or sock prints, not shoe prints. So they would have had to walk through the woods. Then with climb, no clothes on. With no winter gear, no. And then climb a 15-foot cliff. Huh. The ground was trampled, so it looked like there was a lot of, like, uh, several people that had been through the area, sure. but only two bodies were there. Oh. So, what, oh. right, who else would have made Where, those prints? Right. A few feet from these bodies were the remains of a campfire. So there were several partially burned logs but there's some logs that weren't burned at all. Okay. Experts think that the fire burned for about an hour and a half and then it had been purposely extinguished. Right. So someone put that sucker out. Right. Which it's freaking cold out there. Why would you put out a fire? Mm-hmm. Scattered around this area where Yuri and George were found were several socks, a partially burned woman's handkerchief, a hat, a cuff torn off of a sweater. And other pieces of clothing. Next to the tree was a button-up shirt with eight rubles in the pocket, which is $1.25 today. And a long strip of clothing similar to military windings. So these were strips of cloth that soldiers would put around their boots. They would wind Mm. them around their boots for insulation. So these windings, like material, was found by the tree. But... They didn't come from the hikers. Hmm. So where did they come from? There, 
were small trees in the area and up to, well, yeah, in the area and up to like 60 feet away. They had their tops and some of the branches cut off. So the tops of the trees were cut off. That's strange. Right. The wood was green. It couldn't be used to, it oh. couldn't be used for a fire. They couldn't immediately see where the tops or the branches have gone. Hmm. What the hell right. happened? The large cedar tree that they had been by, that they were found near, had branches branches broken off and cut off of it from like ground height to up to 14 feet high. Hmm. Some of the branches were on the ground and others kind of had been caught like like they were falling and just kind of caught like hanging amongst the other sure. branches that were still intact. And traces of blood were found on the tree. Oh. Yuri and George were under the large tree. Oh, That's geez. where they were found. George was on his back. He was wearing an undershirt, a button-up shirt, torn pants. His right foot was barefoot. Yikes. His left foot had a burned, torn, torn sock on it. All right. Yuri was next to George, but he was on his stomach. And he was wearing a button-up shirt, shorts, torn pants, and burned socks on both feet. Okay. Now, cedar branches were found under both of the bodies. So did they try to climb the tree and fall? Ooh. And then, you know, they were where they laid the branches were underneath them. Searchers followed footprints to a flashlight about a third of a mile from the campsite. It was found in the on position. Okay. But the batteries had died at some point. Mm. They kept following the footprints down to the woods. This is where they found Zena. She was half a mile away from the campsite and halfway between the campsite and the cedar area. She was found lying on her right side. She was wearing a hat, a flannel shirt, a coat, underwear, leggings, ski pants, and socks on both feet. It's just weird how they're all dressed. Igor was located halfway between Zena and the cedar tree area. He was lying on his back with his head near the tree trunk. His hands were pressed against his chest, and his left arm was wrapped around the tree branch. Oh. He was wearing a sweater, a flannel button-up shirt, coat, long underwear and ski pants. He had a cotton sock on one foot and a wool sock on the other foot. It's strange. It's like, how did you... How did you dress? Why, you know, why so many frantically? Well, I mean, it was just. It's very weird. Yeah. On March 5th, they found the body of Rustum. He was lying in a corpse bed. So a corpse bed. So it means that they think that. So that's what happens when. All right. I'm trying to explain this. They think he was alive for a little while after he fell into the snow because the snow had melted, like his, the, his body heat mm-hmm. had melted some of the snow around him, and then it refroze into a bed of ice. That's why they call it the corpse bed. Right, because that's like right. So his body, his body. Right, because if you're dead, if you're dead already, and that's when you fall in the snow, you, you're not giving off any heat. So if he was still alive when he fell into um, wherever he died. Right. None of the others had been found in a corpse bed. So that means that they were already dead when they were placed in the snow. So somebody had to have moved them 
from where they died to where they were found. Right. Rustam was on his stomach with his right arm at his side and his left arm extended. He was wearing a t-shirt, button-up shirt, sweater, jacket, long underwear, ski pants, four socks on each foot, Hmm. a boot on his right foot, passport, 350 rubles, which is $50.89 today. A pen knife, pencil, pen, comb, box of matches was found in his pockets. She had a lot of shit on him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it wasn't stolen. Right, nothing. Right. Now, Igor, Rustam, and Zina were all found under six inches of snow. And they were all found headfirst toward the campsite. So that's believed to be the direction that they were heading when they... When something knocked them down, right, when they had fallen. On May 5th, the snow had melted more, Mm. and more items were found. So searchers found, they followed a trail of broken branches to a pair of black sweatpants. One of the legs was cut off of the sweatpants with a knife. Hmm. They had half of a woman's sweater, which they believe was Luda's. And then they found a snow den. That was made up of the missing treetops and branches from the cedar area. And so they kind of made like a little hut kind of like thing. And a piece of each clothing was put in the corner. And that's where they found the other half of Luda's sweater and the pant leg that had been cut off. About 20 feet from the snow den along the stream, they found Luda's body, which was under 14 feet feet of snow. Jeez. And they kept digging, and that's when they found Simon and Alexander. Simon, Alexander, and Nicholas. Oh. Here's another weird... Okay. The, the men were found partially in the stream. So they were lying next to each other. The upper part of their body was in the stream, and their legs were on the snowbank. Whereas Luda was found face down in the stream. Which, again, strange. But I'll get into theories later on. Okay. Luda had two sweaters on, a button-up shirt, stockings, torn and burnt pants, and torn brown socks. Nicholas was wearing, you know, two hats, t-shirt, torn sweater, coat, sweatpants, wool pants, socks, boots, and had two watches on his left wrist. Weird. Okay. Simon was wearing two hats, t-shirt, long-sleeve shirt, sweater, fleece jacket, coat, long underwear, two pairs of ski pants, a pair of canvas pants, two socks on his left foot. One sock on his right foot, on his right foot. His hands were badly frostbitten. Those were all of the hikers. But he had a pencil in his right hand and a notebook in his left hand. And he had a camera on his neck. If you're fleeing the tent, so you're you're sitting down to eat, right? Right. Something happens. Theory is you're fleeing from something. Why would you have a pen and a notebook and a camera? Why would you make sure to take that with you? Hmm. Right. I just need to pause this because I have to grab a drink real quick. All right. In the tents, four cameras were found. They belonged to Igor, Rustam, George, and Simon. So the camera around Simon's neck, nobody knows where it came from. Because oh. can they found cam- Simon's camera already. Maybe a two. I don't know. Unfortunately... It had been immersed in water, so they were not able... Yeah, the film was ruined. They couldn't get pictures from it. Oh, that's too bad. The autopsies... Oh, Alexander. I'm going to kind of skim over what he was wearing, but 
he had, he was wearing a coat with a burn on one sleeve and a tear in the other. How this happened? Not sure. The autopsies. I'm going to have to go into the, like their injuries and everything and kind of explain what it could mean. This case was classified as a criminal investigation at the very beginning. Okay. So they thought, okay, foul play. There's no signs of an avalanche or an, an, another natural event. The searchers and the detectives thought that someone had forced the hikers out of their tent. Luda had been wearing George's pants, hmm. which had been burnt along with his leg, oh. but with George's leg by the campfire. So what, who did this? How did right. this happen? And all of the hikers had various bruises, cuts, and abrasions in addition to all these specific injuries they had. Zena, both of her lips were bloody and swollen. She had bloody abrasions on her, they're 12 inches long, 2 mm. inches wide on her right waist, so from her stomach to her back. Wow. She had bloody fingernail-shaped cuts on the back of her right hand, like huh. you know, the little U cuts. Yeah. Her skin was torn and bloody from the outer part of a middle finger on her right hand. The bottom of her left wrist, there were abrasions that looked like they're from wrist. Like restraints, oh. like someone had like ropes around her. Sure. Her official cause of death was freezing. Well, of course. But all these injuries? Really? No. I know. Well, that's what they always do. I mean, you can die in a crazy ass way. Well, I mean, like, you can oh, have cancer, accident. but then you can get COVID, and then, oh, you die of COVID. COVID. But you had right, cancer. But you had cancer. Right. right. Yes. Rustum had a skull fracture on his left, left temple, and there was bleeding on the brain. Mm. There's blood around his right kidney, which could, which is often caused by a hit or a kick Kicking. into that area. Yeah. He had pulmonary edema, which is bloody foam in the lungs, Eek. which is often caused by strangulation or intense external pressure on the chest while still alive. Oh. He had hemothorax, which is blood in the chest cavity, which is often caused by intense external pressure on the chest while still alive. Aww. He had bruises and abrasions all over his face and hands. Cause of death? Freezing. Freezing. Oh, well, that's going to be everybody's cause of death. Um, I think all but one, maybe? Igor, he had two U-shaped injuries with bleeding and bruises, one on each side of his face, which is similar to those found on George's leg and Yuri's arm. The butt of a gun would cause this type of injury. Like a rifle? Yeah, you know sure. that U? Yep. He had pulmonary edema. He had abrasions, bleeding and bruising with indented skin on both ankles. Maybe okay. like he was restrained, you know, bruising and everything yeah. from being restrained, fighting against it. George had a piece of skin torn off. Um, no, let me say this correctly. He had a piece of skin torn off of a finger, and it was found in his mouth. Eek. It was about an inch long and like one-fifth of an inch wide. Huh. The back of his left hand was bloody and swollen with the skin torn off. All fingers on his left hand were charred with third-degree burns. He had a large bloody abrasion and bruise on his left thigh that stretched around to his butt. Oh. He had two large bloody abrasions with bruises and several small bloody abrasions with bruises between his left wow. thigh and his genitals. He had three U-shaped injuries with bleeding and bruises on his upper left leg. He had bleeding on his brain from his right temple to the back of his head, which could be caused by a bullet of the head. Yeah. He had pulmonary edema, but he froze to death. 
<laughs> Supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. Yuri had the hair. Can they tell? It's Russia. Just wait. Wait till the theories. Okay. Wait till the theories. So Yuri had the hair burned on the right side of his head and all the way to the back of his head. He had two indented bloody abrasions with bruises on his right chest cavity, or right chest directly above his right armpit. He had the U-shaped injuries bleeding mm. on his inner left forearm. He had pulmonary edema and hemothorax. Alexander was missing skin from around the eyes and the mm. brow area. His bone was exposed. There's a large amount of bruising on the right side of his face from his ear to his jaw and wrapped around to the back of his head mm. and the base of his neck. He had an open wound with exposed bone at the base of his skull and on the back of his head. Mm-hmm. His right cheek had an open wound with exposed bone. Wow. He had a broken nose. His nostrils had been pinched closed and like they kind of like stayed there, like somebody had closed them with a like clothespin oh or something. How he brutal. Had, yeah. He had pulmonary edema, hemothorax. He had a crushed thyroid cartilage, which is often found during strangulation. Mm-hmm. The waistband of his sweater and the bottom part of his ski pants were tested for radiation. This is where it gets really interesting. So beta particles, which is something that is like a, hit the microphone, Um, like a uh, indicator that radiation is present, present. they were double the normal range Mm -hmm. when on both the sweater and the pants. Now, if the clothes were immersed in running water for three hours, the numbers would decrease by half. Oh. Alexander had been found in running water for up to two weeks. So there's no wow. way to know how high those right. levels really were. So they were probably crazy high. Yes. Nicholas had a bruise in front of and under his right shoulder. It's usually caused by the arm being forcefully twisted up behind the back as if somebody's like, you know, mm-hmm. shredding you from behind. Right. He had an open wound on his upper left side of his mouth, exposing his teeth and gums. Ooh. Now he also had hemorrhaging in this area, which indicates that he was alive when the injury occurred. So he bled. So sure. if your heart's still pumping, you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. He had a skull fracture. His bone was pushed into the cranial cavity with bone splinters throughout, causing extensive brain bleeding. He had a dry heart, so the blood flow to his heart was abruptly cut off. It wasn't just like a little trickle. It was stopped right there. The bottom part of his wool pants was tested for radiation. The numbers were within normal range, but they could have dropped because Mm -hmm. of the, the long period of time that passed. His official cause of death was crushed fracture in the region of the chest and base of the skull with a profuse hemorrhage to the brain membranes and on the brain. It was a very violent death. Yeah. <sighs> Poor Simon. So Simon had, I'm going to go through the, I'm going to go through the injuries first that he was alive when they happened. Ugh. So he had a wound with exposed bone on the left forehead and eyebrow area. There was exposed bone and skin missing from around both eyes. Both of his eyeballs were completely missing. Jeez. He had five broken bones. I'm sorry, five broken ribs, and they were broken in two places. Now, the rest, I, I, I mean, probably not. I don't know if they occurred while he was still alive. Well, his nose was pinched closed, so something had happened while he was alive to do that. 
Left half of his mustache was missing. Don't know what happened there. He had a pulmonary edema, hemothorax, and the beta particles on him were within normal range, but he still had particles, which is odd. His official cause of death was multiple rib fractures and internal bleeding into the pleural cavity. Our last victim slash hiker here was Luda. She had a wound with bone, with exposed bone on the top left side of her head. Um, for all these few that I'm going to go through, she was alive. Okay. Um, her nose was pinched closed. There was skin missing from around her eyes. This was all the skin missing. You'll see. Uh, it includes the brow, nose, left cheek, and her bone was exposed in these areas. Both of her eyeballs were missing. Skin was missing from her upper lip. Her jawbone was exposed. Her tongue was missing. Wait, this was when she was alive? This all happened when she was alive. Um, her tongue was missing. She had four broken ribs on her right side that were broken in two places. Six broken ribs on her left side. So this is all while she was alive. Yeah. She also, uh, the diaphragm of her mouth was missing. Oh, gosh. Um, so it's called the... high dissected her. It's called the mylohyoid muscle. It connects the bottom of the mouth the hyoid bone in the neck. Uh, her hyoid bone was mobile and her thyroid cartilage was crushed, which are signs of strangulation. Sure. They really did a number on this girl. Yikes. She had pulmonary edema, hemothorax. She had blood on her sternum. Her fractured ribs caused hemorrhaging and her heart was pierced by one of the broken ribs, which created a one-inch hole in the right ventricle. She basically bled to death internally. Mm-hmm. But the beta particles on her were more than twice the average or the normal range. Her official cause of death was extensive hemorrhage, multiple bilateral fracture of the ribs, that pierced the heart, and internal bleeding into the thoracic cavity. Wow. So, very violent. Some general strangeness on here. There's just a few things that... Sure. Stand out. So the U-shaped injuries that could have been caused by the butt of a gun, the edge of a ski pole, or some other unknown instrument, but somebody had to whack these people, or they had to fall hard onto these items in order for this shape to occur. Right. George had third-degree burns up and down his left leg and on his entire left hand. This means that the fire had burnt all the way through the skin and down to the muscle, leaving that whole area charred. So this tells you that fire was intentionally used to harm him. If it was an accident, you know, you touch a stove and you're like, right, right, you put, yeah, right, you pull back quickly. He, He yeah, he was intentionally, right, put on there for a long period of time. And he was alive. Yes. Oh. If it was an accident, he could have put himself in the snow True. to turn out. So, but in order to cause this right. type of injury, it had to be direct contact you that you for a long time. From the pain, maybe he did. And in shock. Maybe, but then he came back. Who knows? So only Luda, Simon, George, and Alexander were tested for radiation. Nobody else was. There were no reports on anybody or anything else being tested. Just those people. The tent area and the area around the bodies had not been tested for blood or any other evidence. Okay. 
The investigation was shut down in June of 1959, which was a month after the last of the autopsies was completed. The entire region where this occurred Mm -hmm. was closed for hundreds of miles in all directions, and it remained closed for three years. Only government officials were allowed in that area. Okay. The investigation closed with the official explanation being the hiker's Inexperience oh, please. caused their own deaths. All of this. Yes. They pa- well, <laughs> by whom? Well, this is what by happened. This is what happened. By each other? This is what happened. They panicked and they heard a lot of noise. Uh huh. They ran away from, from the tent for an hour and then died when they couldn't find their way and back. Tripped and went into the fire. And ripped off their skin. And ripped off, yes. and ripped off their jaw. Pulled out their eyeballs. Yes. And fell and broke their ribs. Right. All this. Uh-huh. But they got lost. Of course. That's always what right. happens, yes. That's when you know the government's involved somehow mm-hmm. or something that they don't want you to know. Right. There are a few weird, I don't know if I call them I'm surprised their families didn't. Soviet Russia? Oh, uh, yeah. Do you want to die? Yeah. So there are a few like, kind of weird clues here. The hikers, Alex, they celebrated Alexander's birth. Oh, okay, so most of this is found in the journals, right? And just weird things there that have been written. So they celebrated Alexander's birthday on January 30th. But his birthday wasn't until November 16th. There's no explanation written in the journals as why they celebrated this day. Did he tell them it was his birthday because he knew something was going to happen? Or he knew maybe he wanted one last, like, hurrah before? Well, how would you know this was going to happen? Maybe he didn't know that. And then, and then if you knew something like this was going to happen, well, give me a birthday party. (laughs) Maybe it was just one last cake. People are weird, but yeah, like that movie last night. Oh, geez, (laughs) that was strange. So remember when they were at the train station and George started singing and stuff, and then the police took him away. Yes. Well, that's. Made people wonder if George could have been on drugs. Been no, oh. <laughs> he could have been on the hike in a type of official capacity. So could he have gotten arrested on purpose, so that when they took him to the police station, he gave them his official status, made a phone call to touch base with the higher ups that he may be in contact with, or what reason? You'll find out later. Okay. Well, here too. This is during the Cold War. George mm-hmm. worked in a nuclear facility and had security clearance. He had access to information that a lot of people wanted. Do you trust any of these people, though? Or wouldn't want no. to be near them? And then they also bring up, oh, this book also brings up this point. Beta, okay, beta radiation is like a signature in nuclear production. Each nuclear facility has its own signature. So, so if oh, someone yeah. has clothing... Covered in radiation dust, these particles could be from. They could be on there, and then pa- that article of clothing could be passed on to another individual. This person could then analyze this radiation dust and figure out more about the nuclear radiation, nuclear processes being used in Russia. Like I said, Cold War. Jeez, my theory was <laughs> just wait, kind okay. of blown. Well, just wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this got pretty deep. <laughs> the meat. So if they met to do this transfer away from civilization, civilization 
it could guarantee secrecy. Okay. But the group was running behind. So George would not have had any other way to contact the other party about the change in the meetup time, if that's what was going to happen. After the train station, right, the group stayed in a logging town overnight. There are pictures of the group that have Yuri and Luda in it. I know I have these marked because I wanted to, but these were kind of interesting. If I can find them. Okay, here we go. They have Yuri and Luda on the far, in front, on the far left side. And there's... So these yep. two? So there's a soldier yeah. kneeling in the front row, right? You yeah. see him? Mm-hmm. So there's, in the picture, Luda is kneeling down to pick up an object on the ground by the soldier. Okay. Luda keeps looking directly at the camera, and it looks like Yuri's trying to hold her back from picking it up. In picture two... She has the object in her hand. What did she take? Mm-hmm. Was this object important? Could somebody have followed them to get it back? Yeah, but so brutal? I don't know. Holy cow. I don't know. There's also an entry in Zina's journal that says, you know, like Alexander Kolotov tested his device, then quit. There's no other explanation on what the device could be. It's not in any photos. It was never recovered from the campsite. Yeah, no one knows. And then she's got it in her hand. No one knows what this device is that Alexander was testing. Okay. Also in Zena's entries, she indicates that the group separated a couple times. So a couple of the individuals could have had like ulterior motives, and the rest of the group didn't know. Like, wouldn't necessarily know about it. Can't trust anyone. Alexander could have used this device again and Zena wouldn't have known about it if they weren't together at the time. True. So they don't always know what the other people are doing around them. Right. The so last, not always together. The last entry in Zena's journal was the name Rempel. This was the name of the hunter who had helped Igor with directions and advice back in one of the towns where they had previously stopped. There is also that unknown journal. They don't know the person oh, didn't sign right. their name. So we have no idea who wrote in that. Only half of the original case file for this incident has been released. The other half is either missing or the government kept it secret. The Russian government kept it secret. Mm-hmm. Probably. The sweater that Luda was wearing, I tested yeah. positive, the test oh, positive yeah, for radiation, yeah. belonged to Alexander. Now, nuclear achievements like back in the days, they were highly kept secrets. Sure. As, so the material that was used to make them were also, and like in the process, were also kept classified. So they kept that secret. Alexander was acting weird, according to the journal entries. He did that weird device check. He had that fake birthday. He oh, and yeah. Nicholas held up the group at one point, and that's why they had run late. He brought, uh-huh. he brought extra sweaters with him, and those were what was contaminated with radiation. Hmm. Now, in the diaries, right, we've, we've seen Zena's handwritten diary, but there's only typewritten transcripts of the group diary, 
and the unknown diary. So they've never been photographed, never been released to the public, like the actual original copies. They just typed them out hmm. and then let people see that. Oh, so they didn't so, see the handwriting? Right. So they, were they even real? Did they make this shit up? Did they falsify this journal, one of these journals? Was there something Jeez. in it? They never found the diaries that belonged to Simon and Alexander, and they weren't the They didn't write in the unknown diary because they were mentioned in it. So what happened to their diaries? Where'd they go? We don't know. And if Nicholas or George kept a personal diary, it was never found. Or maybe one of theirs was the unknown right, one. Because didn't each one of them have right. one? But maybe they didn't, you know, make, maybe most of them did, but not all of them. I don't know. Now, these hikers had a storage, had made a, like a storage area for items that were not necessary for the remainder of the hike. So they didn't want to have to log Carry everything off. back, you know, with them. Right. So they obviously had planned to return for the items on the way back. But there was a pair of skis left to mark the spot. These skis were very, very important. Without these skis, they couldn't get to where they were going. And more importantly, they couldn't get back. Right. They needed these skis. So, and they only had, each hiker only had one set of skis and one set of poles. Right. So who did this belong to? Who was not using their skis or their poles? Whose, or whose skis were in the storage area? And someone's ski pole had been cut up inside the tent. Why? Hmm. If they need that. Right. It was right. vital to them. Did someone... Stay behind Even with the still. tent while the rest of the group completed the hike. But then why would you do that? Why would you go all that way to not finish it? It doesn't make any sense. Now, the, with the footprints in the snow, a common style of execution in oh. the USSR was to have a person, you know, strip down and leave them out in the freezing air to die oh. or the freezing weather to die. It was cheap. It was Whoa. efficient. It worked. Yikes. Now, intruders could have forced the group out of the tent, and in order to keep control of them, make them link arms and walk side by side, because the footprints in the snow that were found were side by side, as if the group was walking. Oh, okay. I thought right. it was just like, like confusion. No, like they're, they're side by side. Mm. And Aww. some of the prints looked like they had been stepped in a couple times. So maybe like one of the... So if, say, one of the hikers made a footprint and one of the captors oh, stepped in it behind them. Sure. Or, you know, like coming up behind them. Right. The tent. There's nothing crushed in the tent. Rolls out the avalanche. Animal stampede. Ice slide. Anything. You know, though. The tent was shredded with cuts. Many more than would be necessary to escape an emergency. Why were the cuts only on one side of the tent? No items were crushed or scattered, which would have happened if they were, like, freaking out trying to get out. No one knows why. Mm. Now, some of these hikers had similar injuries. Right. So, three of them had abrasions on the eyelids. Four had, like, the indented, restraint-looking marks. Four had blue, bruised and bloody knuckles, which they think fought. Oh, okay. Oh, and the, the abrasions on the eyelids. Right. Tried to fight. Well, I thought, why wouldn't you just go for it and just... Well, I don't know. You're these, ab die. these abrasions on the eyelids, they think it was from, like, a blindfold, like, rubbing. Oh. 
Jeez, they so, didn't forget anything. Three of them had U-shaped injuries. Yeah. Could have been the butt of a gun. Two had burns. Two had black eyes. Um, two had a skull fracture. Three had bleeding on the brain. Five had hemothorax, which is a common torture method. So lay the victim on their back and have someone sit or kneel on their chest. Oh it's also called burking. Uh, let's see. Four had, I mean, eight had pulmonary edema, which um, is caused by strangulation, but it could also, you know, be leaned or sat on. Um, How violent. Broken ribs could be by someone leaning or kneeling yeah. on a person. The pinched nostrils, it's a form of torture to restrict, you know, breathing. Breathing. Let's see. They also, you know, a couple people have missing eyes. So Xena and Rustum had cadaver spots on their backs. So it basically means the, the blood pulled into spots on their backs because they were on their backs when, they're di- when they died. Right. That's when the blood, blood stopped mm-hmm. pumping, that's where they were. But they were found on their stomachs. Somebody mm-hmm. moved them after they had died. Somebody flipped them over. They had died on their backs, and somebody sure. flipped them over. Animals can't do that. No. Uh, Luda's tongue was missing. What did, I mean, why don't they just shoot them? I mean, why are you so abusive? Just, well, just wait. Oh. Zine, uh, Luda's tongue was missing, but her mouth was closed. Because you ever think, oh, maybe animals, whatever, you know, ate the soft tissue. I'm not thinking animal. But Alexander had his tongue. And his mouth was open. And Nicholas had a hole in his face right next to his oh. mouth and still had his tongue. And his mouth was open. So that doesn't make no, any sense. Right. There were no bite marks or anything that indicate that an animal ate the tongue. And tongue removal is also a torture method. I would assume so. Luda's stomach was, it had like a reddish brown slimy substance in it that might have been blood and that's what they think that's what indicates that her tongue was removed while she was alive because she swallowed her own blood the eyes were removed while they were alive so this was not an accident this is not a bird pecking at them or another animal right luda and simon's ribs were crushed it could have happened from a high fall but where did they fall from it doesn't make sense. No. The weight of the snow could not have crushed the ribs because they were alive when the ribs were crushed and they would have suffocated in snow. Yeah. Investigators had spoken with Rempel, the last person that Igor had spoken to, and he said, you know, he remembered talking to Igor in Vijay before the group left. He said there was bad weather when the hiker disappeared, and he suggested that high winds blew the hikers out of their tent and caused their injuries. Oh, my gosh. Get out. And there were gaps in his testimony and, like, the <sighs> statement that he gave. So, eh, I don't know. Now, what would possible motives be? Right? So, if George got arrested for singing, remember at the train station? Yeah. During this time in Russia, the only secure phone lines were in the military and police stations. Right? Okay. So that could have been a reason that he, you know, needed to be in there. Like, that he needed to get arrested to go call to his superiors, if that's what happened. Right. So, I mean, these are, like, these are possible motives why they were attacked, right? Luda was the object in the photo. Yeah, but... I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know. What device was Alexander testing, and why did he lie about his birthday? Yeah, that's odd. 
Why was Simon holding a pen and a notebook in, a fr in his frostbitten hands? Why did he have a camera around his neck? Oh. Was it just a camera, or was there something inside the camera? I don't know. It's just... And why did Alexander have all those extra sweaters? He carried more than he needed. Oh. Now, the author of this book thinks that whoever came across the group didn't know exactly who they were looking for, and the torture could have been a way to gain, a, gain information sure. to see who really knew what. Yeah, but how right many, I wonder how many people tortured them then. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because I don't, well, how many people were there? Well, like here's 10 the thing. or 5 or whatever? It said, uh, there's a photo of a mystery man here. Oh, yeah, I think this. Yeah, he's him. taller. But you can't see well, anything. Like, there's people who like really looked into this, and they said he's taller yeah. and like, huskier. Yeah, it looks like a blob. But it says yeah. that from what some people have studied, some of these pictures, and they probably have better Skin ones. Mask. They probably have better ones than this. Now with better technology nowadays. Sure. Okay, they say he's taller and huskier than the hikers. They think he's wearing a ski mask. Yeah. He has what looks to be like epaulets on his shoulders. And they think he has a badge or patch on the left side of his chest. Yeah. And maybe wearing a pouch or holster around his waist. Yeah. Tools hanging from his belt, as well as a gun or a knife strapped to his leg. Yeah. None of the hikers have ever dressed like this, because there's a bunch of pictures of the hikers in here. Right. They've never dressed like this. And this guy would have had to have been part of a group that was at least three people in order to control this group of hikers. Well, for sure. And he just happened to get caught on camera but on accident. what's happening... Okay, so if there's three, and there's how many people? Nine. What are the others doing? Well, if As, these three are armed, right? The, if the hikers, well, if the hikers were surprised, caught off guard, yeah, but they're not equipped. They're not equipped for the situation. These might be trained. Fight for your they, life, for God's well, sakes. This is okay. Let me. We're in the theories now. What is your theory? Well, okay, my theory is pretty much blown. Okay, I thought it was UFOs. Mm -hmm. Because with all the um, radiation and everything, I thought, well, maybe. That's a common theory. Okay. Let me see. Do I have that on here? And because it was such I don't. You know, the way Lori's skin is missing mm -hmm. and, thing, and the eyeballs are missing and the tongue. I mean, what are they doing? So, um, so aliens and Bigfoot were a theory, yeah. or the Yeti, whatever. They were a theory. Sure. Um. I didn't cover those though, because they're not. They're uh, they're kind of out there. I thought and, of and well, and aliens people, right away. And for the Yeti, and for the Yeti people, they reference that picture. Of, That's what I was going to say. Right, but then I thought, oh, okay. I think I'm yeah, crazy. I don't. I mean, mm, well, I think there's a more. What do you think? I think there's more earthly answer. Oh, and I, I agree with the author. On their theory. You think it's the so, government? Well, we're going to get into theories. The first one is Avalanche, right? Because that's a big yeah. one. It's a big one. Forget that's that. what, so I watched, I love Josh Gates. Love him. And he has a new show called Expedition Unknown. Yeah, I've seen that. No, there's, no, that's Destination Truth. Oh, yeah. There's Expedition I, Unknown. Eric He's in a bunch of stuff. He's stuff. in a bunch of stuff. But they came to the conclusion that it was like an avalanche. I'm like, uh, no, 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 no freaking out of people no poke their eyes freaking out. way no so but 
people checked it out. The slope where the tent was is at a 30 degree angle. So it's enough of an angle for an avalanche, okay. but they usually don't happen in that area. There were no signs. There's no displaced snow, no down trees, no debris. The ski poles were still standing. Nothing was crushed in the tent. And even if they did hear something that frightened them into leaving, they would have had to have walked or run for almost an hour in the snow while still partially dressed. At some point, they would have realized that there was no more danger behind them. And they and it should have happened pretty quickly, right. not, not after an hour, maybe like a couple minutes. I mean, if you're take off running, you're expecting this avalanche, you hear that noise, you feel the vibrations. Mm-hmm. If it didn't happen, you'd think, you'd be like, oh, okay, thank God, and turn around and go back. But that's not what happened. But that's, I don't know, that's bullshit. Second is unusual sounds and flashes of lights that right. had been reported that night. And that. It can, I mean, yeah, UFO. Yeah, I don't no, know. Right. That, yeah. So here's the thing. That's my bet. It was negative 30 degrees outside okay. that night. The snow was over four feet deep. If there were loud noises and bright lights, the hikers would have probably peeked out of their tent, checked it out, taken a picture, whatever. And even if they, they wouldn't take a picture, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have left the tent. They wouldn't have taken off running. No, but if the aliens got mm. to them and that other group that Bill Nuff, mm-hmm. hiking group, they did before they even knew what happened to this group. They did report weird lights and See? sounds in that area. If it was like a military testing thing, which some people did believe the, the weapons, that were available, they wouldn't have done something weird. They would have killed them execution style. Sure. They would have shot, you sure. know, shot them, and they wouldn't have had to hide it. They wouldn't have had to cover it up. Right, right? exactly. Just be done. Next theory: fireballs. Hmm. And this is what the other group saw too. They, it's just a weird like fireball. They, okay. they say they saw orange fireballs in the sky. They wrote it in their journals and everything, but they checked it out, and that was it. They didn't run. They didn't freak out. There were reports of high winds. It would have slowed them down, but it wouldn't have blown them out of their tents, scattered them all over the area. It wouldn't have freaked them out. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have caused the injuries no. that they had. No, that was totally... Now, there's the murder-suicide mm. theory. It doesn't really make sense because of all the injuries yeah, that they that had. Yeah, just too brutal. So Lumen and, Luda and Simon had broken ribs. They couldn't have done it to themselves. Nicholas and Rustam died by head injuries. They could not have done it to themselves. Alexander was strangled. George and Yuri's clothes were cut off of them after they died. Yes. Zena was found a different, in a different position than she was in when she died. True. This means that Igor would have had to kill all these people. Crush chests, pull out eyeballs, burn, strangle, all this stuff, all by himself. Then, lie down, wrap his arms around a tree branch, and freeze to death. It doesn't make any sense. No. Now, there is something called the Infrasound Carmen Vortex Street. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So, infrasound is a low-frequency sound, so it's too normal for humans to hear it, but you can still sense it. Okay. You know, primitive, primal part of our brain. And it's supposed to cause feelings of dread, anxiety, panic. Okay. Now, the Carmen Vortex Street. It's a phenomenon. It happens when 
high winds come in contact with something that's supposed to be stable. So, you know how, like... So I can see something like, like a, that Oh, a car antenna, like, you know, mm-hmm. wheels, or... And then they make, like, this high-pitched sound. Yeah. So, the what? theory is that this occurred, these two phenomena occurred at the same time. Okay. Anything can happen. Drove the hikers into a panic where they destroyed their tent and ran down the mountain until I doubt they ended that. up dead. Well, right. Right. So here's the eyeballs. Well, and here's the thing. The, this area, there's no evidence of it being susceptible to either one of these phenomena, let, oh. let alone both, okay. especially at the same time. Well, then that's out. When they did controlled experiments, infrasound only affected 20% oh. of people. And car- the Carmen Vortex Street will only occur in certain conditions. So if this perfect storm happened, it would have affected two of the hikers maximum. Okay. The other hikers would have been able to stop them. This doesn't explain how right. they were dressed and their injuries. And there was nothing about the condition of the tent that suggests any kind of panic. Nothing was trampled. Nothing was strewn about. It all looked relatively normal. Another theory is drugs. There were no drugs in the hiker systems or in the tent. Okay. And it, in order for it to have caused the damage that it had occurred, it would have had to have been a psychedelic drug, but those affect everybody differently. And they're not all going to have the same reaction or hallucination right. that's going to freak them all out. It's, it doesn't work. Yeah. Now, theory number nine, escaped prisoners. There were two escaped prisoners that were caught during the search, but they gave themselves up. They denied any involvement, you know, with any of it. They probably they wanted to get steal. the hell out of there, too. <laughs> they didn't steal anything. True. The hikers still had money. They still had all kinds of items on them. You would think if prisoners escaped, they would need a lot of that stuff. And if there was only two of them against right. how many? Right, I doubt that. Another theory is that the Mansi did it. The um, nomadic local, the tribe in the area. But there have never been any violent encounters with the Mansi. The Mansi, the tr- their trackers help them look for these hikers. Oh. So why would they do that? Right. They'd be like, I don't give a shit. They also, they do have holy sites on the mountains that are to be respected, but they didn't have any in the area where the diet Well, you would think died. that they would research that before right. they went. They didn't have any of that. So there's, right. it's, it wasn't them. Now, there's the murder theory. This is the author's theory. Okay. And I agree with this. All right. So after forcing the hikers out of the tent, someone or some ones cut it up to prevent them from having a shelter to go back to if they had gotten away somehow. Okay. The flashlight on top of the tent could have been dropped by an intruder. The body positions point to these people being tied up or restrained at some point. If you look through those pictures in the back, yes, the way they're awesome. yes. the way that their their wrists and their ankles are together. Mm-hmm. Even if it took off the restraints and after they died, it would have they would have remained in that position. Right. And they are in, there, in the back somewhere. Right. It's common for people to curl up into a ball to like try to stay warm, mm-hmm. but the bodies weren't. They were 
prone, and they were either on their backs or their stomach. The clothes were cut off of George and Yuri, and their bodies were removed after they died. Luda, Nicholas, Simon, and Alexander were found in the stream. They were side by side. So that's a weird way to die if it happens naturally. True. You're just going to line, line up and die? If you look at the way Zena and Rustam's hands and feet were positioned, it looks like they were restrained. Let's see if I can find the... Um, it's in the autopsy section. Her Zena's fingernail-shaped cuts could have been her trying to pull her hands out of their restraints. I see. Oh, you see, if you look at... Right. Right. The legs. Mm-hmm. Even the arms in that position. Oh, yeah. Zena, Igor, and Rustam were all found with their ankles together, like that. Mm-hmm. But where are the bindings, right? You've got to wonder. Right. Remember the windings that were found in the cedar area in the snow den? Yeah. Where these people were found? They could have been remnants of the of the material used to bind these people so whoever did this could have taken the actual bindings because they needed them to secure their stuff that they had traveled with maybe they just used them to bind them for a little bit and then once they were dead didn't have to worry about them anymore like oh we can take this back now and maybe just accidentally left a piece or two okay many of the hikers had similar injuries but were found in different areas Okay, so... And George had a piece of skin in his mouth. Yeah, like yeah. he was trying to bite through the restraints, but bit down on his own finger instead. Which would make sense. If you're furiously trying to bite out of your restraints, you actually bite yourself. Yeah, I guess. Now, what would have caused this to happen? Yeah. The author has a theory, which, again, I think is a really good one. So Alexander is the main person in this series. Okay. He worked in a classified facility in Moscow... Maybe he's working with George. George makes contact at the police station when he's arrested. Right, right. And maybe Nicholas is in is a lookout. Remember, he was a part of the reason that they were running late. Okay. Now, Alexander, again, this is theory, sets up a meeting with another country. Maybe the United States. You know, another, not an enemy country, but, you know, one that we're not friends. And his device... Is really a radio wave that sends out a signal so that he can contact his his people. Yikes. Now, they quote-unquote run into a hiker that maybe, oh, something happened and I don't have enough clothing or, oh, I didn't prepare. Sure. And Alexander, who has extra layers, gives him, you know, oh, clothing. Convenient. Yeah. Right, convenient. You know, he gives him the one of the radioactive extra sweaters that he had. Is this your book? Yeah. But one of two things could have happened. He either gave this person bad information in the past. Mm. Like he's working for his, for Russia, but he gave bad information to like the United States. Okay. And now they're coming back because they're fucking pissed. Mm. Or he's double crossing Russia and those people are pissed. So, the U.S. or Russia, depending on which scenario works better, they send an assassination team. Gee whiz. Which could be a photo of that man taken by accident. Yeah. They don't necessarily know who the target is, right. but they torture the group. 
for more information. They didn't use guns because the noise would draw attention. Knives bring blood and that attracts predators. So, well, and the military windings left behind. Hmm. There were probably more clues that were discovered after the snow had melted, but by this time the government already already restricted that area, so over only right. government officials could go in there. Well, it had to be something regarding the right. So in this episode of Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates, they uncovered a couple documents. One is an official Russian document stating that the Russian government was aware of the hikers' deaths and planned on looking into the situation. This document was dated February 15th, 1959, in several locations. But the hikers' campsite, which is the first thing that they discovered, had not been located until the 26th. Hmm. So how could they have known about that? Right. Unless they had something to do with it. But that's such a... There was another document... mistake, though. There was another document that stated that the case was opened on February 6th, 1959, and was dated in several places. Again, campsite had not been located until the 26th. The government has denied several requests to reopen the case. And wow. that's where it stands. In case you're wondering about about Yuri Yudin, lucky Yuri. He passed away in 2013, and according to his last wishes, he was buried in St. Michael Cemetery near some of the other hikers. And he had bad survivor's guilt. He always thought that if he had gone, that he might have been able to save them in some way. Yeah, I doubt that. <laughs> well, yeah, I think he just would have been another victim. Yes. But there's no get if they couldn't get out of mm-hmm. this, why would he? I don't know. Well, if it's a government thing, you're never going to find out. No, no. And I don't think we'll ever know. No. I think it's, I do think it's a government thing. I don't. Wow. It's the only thing that makes any sense. If you look at their injuries, the torture techniques. How vicious. But yeah, the torture techniques, because maybe they didn't know exactly who they were looking for. And from what I hear about Russian people, they're pretty vicious. You're like, not like Russian descent people, but like. Right. Actually, like USSR, Russia, yeah, but- Soviet yeah. The soldiers. Mm-hmm. And wow. if it's a trained force and they, they've got to get their information. Well, why would they just, I mean, why are they ripping off skin uh, and well, because, I suppose looking uh, for information? Right. And maybe some of these people are like, I don't know. I don't know nothing about this. And they think you're lying. Mm. Yeah. that's. What, I would rather, if they did know, tell what I know and then let them shoot me. But what about the ones who don't know, but they don't, but they think you're lying. Well, what are you sure. going to do? Like, I, I can't who, tell you. Who would stay closed mouth after all that? I don't know. I mean, eventually you would have to talk. But that'd be in so much pain. But wow, that's, that's dedication. Isn't that insane? If, if. Oh, right. If that's the case. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I think that is what happened. I like my theory better. The aliens? <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't like the theory of aliens. I like it that better is, than the human beings doing that to other that human mean, beings, though. But that means any point in time, mm-hmm. aliens could come down. Yes, they can. And do crazy-ass things like that to you. Sure. I'd rather have the Russians, the USSR people do it, and feel completely safe. Do you think there are UFOs, though? I, okay. 
I don't believe that there are space aliens. I believe that there are multiple dimensions. And it's been proven by scientists because they're trying to cause, with CERN, they're trying to create a rift in the fabric of the dimensions so that we can go back and forth. So I think I think with a lot of like cryptids, aliens, things like that, I think they're things that slip through. Mm-hmm. I think there are rips in the dimensions and they that's they just find a way in. Well that would be bizarre. I think that's what it is. Hmm. I don't think it's like aliens coming from outer space. Okay. But I could be wrong. Yeah, but, I don't know. I've yeah. Never... So that's that was one of my obsessions. And now after like hearing about it, like reading that book, which really put This was an I'm, obsession? Yeah. I was wondering what happened. It was so bizarre. So wild the things that happen to these people. That's that's more disturbing to me that other human beings can do that. Okay, but here's the thing. So other we know what other human beings can do, right, to each yes. other. Yes. Yes. And if it's other human beings, I can get them with the gun. I can find like a way to fight myself. Now if it is an alien, right? You, and and here's the thing too. So so if it's an alien, they could do this to you. They could do this to anybody. Sure. I'm not carrying nuclear secrets. This shit is not going to happen to me. But if well, it's an alien, it could happen to anybody at any time. That's more terrifying. They don't need a reason. Oh, I understand that. But for me, the reasoning in my head is like, what human being could actually do... Jeffrey Dahmer? Uh, Ed Gein, Ted Bundy. True, but they did it like one on one. They didn't have all these people at. That's why. But there I, were several people. It wasn't just one. It was several people. It could be several aliens. No, man. No. That's why. I want nothing to do with that. That's why when maybe they floated, maybe they, they didn't walk. They could get you. Yes, they can, but so can crazy people. But you can usually you, see crazy wrong, people coming. What is it, the right time? Okay, but you could be, all right, sitting at home. Yep. The chances of three Some trained assassins. Cha- but the chances of, like, if you're looking at this, the chances of three trained assassins coming to get you in your own home are very slim, especially since you're American and you have done nothing to do with covert operations, nuclear secrets, anything like that. But... If it's aliens, you could be watching TV. You could. And they could just come get you and whip out your just eyeballs. put a foil hat on. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, All right. thank you very much for listening. And stay safe and stay strange.